Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here. Welcome to the visitor. Okay, we can meet together, worship in this way. Been really enjoying this morning. And I know the Lord has led many things that were said. We're actually kind of good backdrops to the sermon that God has laid on my heart. And that's a, that's a real blessing. Well, so we always like to look at the Word of God and be lifted up and challenged to do His will and His way in our life. And that's, a, that's quite challenging today in age that we live in. Uh, a couple months ago, I started a, a message series that you probably can't remember. It's been so long ago since I preached here. It's on kingdom principles. Have you ever heard that, that thought? Well, some of y'all got good memories. Uh, yeah, that's about two months ago. And you know, every good organization has principles to be built on. And it's critically important to those in in uh, that group to, to do those principles, or basically, uh, they're not in that group anymore. So start kingdom principles, and the first one was obedience is a kingdom principle. Now, we all know that Jesus said it very clearly, there's two kingdoms, and, and there's a kingdom of God, and there's a kingdom of this world or of Satan, and we're in one or the other. Uh, and I praise God, as Christians, we're in the kingdom of God. But it's good to remember the principles that it is built on that we are to, uh, to have and to show forth in this day and age. It's not just always just easy and natural. And yet, uh, God gives us the fortitude and the, uh, the strength to do what he wants us to do. And so I'm just, it's a real privilege that each one of us can be part of the kingdom of God. Well, these principles are, I'm going to look at, and there's more principles than we're going to look at in this series but the, uh, we'd like to look there from 1 John. The principle was of 1 John, and it's toward the back of the New Testament. 1 John, uh, we're going to look at the second one here this morning, and we'll try to get two of them done here today. 1 John 2, 29, <clears throat> where he says, If you know that he is righteous, ye know... <clears throat> that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So the, this, one, this principle is doing righteousness. Doing righteousness. Uh, the new king, James, actually says, um, practices righteousness. Now, you know, this thing of practice, I'm not sure if I like that word. Because, <laughs> you know, some people practice uh, they practice something to get better at it, I guess. And so I guess we are practicing to get better. But I like how it's, this is doing it, okay? You know, it's, it's a level of fulfillment. First John, actually, then back one more chapter, First John 3, 7 adds to this. First John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no man deceive you, that he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, I like that. It means... Because he that doeth righteousness, you know, there's a, the, the Pharisees had, had external righteousness about down pat, actually. And it's easy to, to, to do that way. They're like, okay, you, you, I need to go to church to be righteous. That's right. Righteous people go to church. And I need to read my Bible to be righteous. And I, uh, I need to be, you know, get along with people to be a righteous person. And I need to have good attitudes. And you know, this can go on, and a person can, if they're not careful, can have a superficial righteousness. 
And, but God doesn't want it that way. Uh, he, he, he wants it to come from within the heart. In other words, a natural fruit. Now, it says in Matthew 7, by the fruit you shall know them. And that's very true. In other words, a person who claims to be righteous and don't want to come from church, they have a serious righteous problem. They do. A person that claims to be righteous and don't want to read their Bible, they've got a serious problem. They're not righteous. I mean, you know, because these are fruits of righteousness. But I am so glad that we can come to Jesus and before him we didn't have a, a righteous nature. We, we didn't have a sanctified nature, did we? You know, we, we tended, well, you know, we, we tended to go through the right formalities to stay out of trouble. But yet, we didn't have a desire to, to be what Jesus wanted us to be. It wasn't from the heart. Now, Philippians 3, verse 9 speaks to this. Philippians 3, verse 9. Where it says, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I think it's a very important thing for a uh, principle for us to remember when, in other words, we don't need to just be uh, do righteousness, we need to be righteous. And what a privilege of saints, that's what God wants in, in our lives. That's, that's his pleasure. You know, in other words, when we come to Jesus, he, he don't just say, now, you do this. You do this, and I was glad. Uh, he says, "You, I'm not forcing on you a code of ethics that you don't want to do, because that's hard. That makes life frustrating when I have to go to church and I don't want to go to church. When I have to read the Bible and I don't want to read the Bible. It basically, he's saying, look, I'm going to put within you righteousness, my righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to put that in you. And then you, from a heart of desire, you love people. You love Jesus. You love his word. These are doing righteousness, okay? You love being kind. You love to forgive. You see, this righteousness isn't something that can be done on your own because really... In our own human flesh, when people cross our paths, we don't naturally just say, well, that was all right. That was okay. You know, it, it wasn't wrong against me. I forgive them. No problem. You, have you found that natural before you knew Jesus? No. I mean, you cross your paths and it's fire. I mean, <laughs> you, get, you get a, a tongue action uh, and, and humiliation. See, Jesus, when we come to him, he helps us. Be righteous from a heart. It's being that type of person. It's being in within us. So it's spiritually, we, it's a spiritual change where, that this kingdom, when we're part of this kingdom, the end of this kingdom, we have to have. It's a heart change. And what a tremendous blessing that is. In other words, I don't know if we think about it this way, but when you woke up this morning, did you, did you think about, I, I love being righteous today. You love that? I hope so. Because if you are righteous, you love doing righteousness. You know? In other words, if you're going to do it and you're going to practice it, you might as well just love it. <laughs> well, you know, a person that likes to practice basketball, I'm just going to use a sport, you know, and they just love basketball, uh, 
They don't sit there and say, you know, I've got to practice basketball. No, they love to practice basketball. I know some people that like to practice fishing. I don't know if you practice that or not. They just love to do it, okay? Well, maybe that would correlate too. And you know, you wake up in the morning, you, so you, you tell this avid fisherman, oh, and this guy would say, I have to go fishing today. No, if you invite him for fishing, he, he's there with anxiously. He's anxious. You, you know what I mean? Christians love to do righteousness. They love it. They wake up in the morning and they're saying, God, how can I follow you today? You know, I don't think any Christian wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm going to do what's wrong today. I think it'd be just neat to do what's wrong today. You know? Well, you know, Peter said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, even unto death. He had, he, I think he was trying to be righteous, actually. Within hours, he denied him three times, right? Yeah. So it's, it actually becomes very clear. It's not what you say that makes a difference. It's what you do. And that we need to remember that. You know, what, when Jesus reviews our life, you know, do, do we wake up in the morning loving to do his will? Just loving it. You know, it's, a, it's just, there's nothing else I'd want to do, you know, because we don't, we don't want to do what's wrong. You know, in fact, I found it out, we don't even like being told we're wrong, when we were wrong, actually. Uh, I've had that happen a few days, times in my life, you know, and you're told we're wrong, we just don't like to feel like wrong, you know, being wrong. And I think it's good when, because God instills us the desire to be right with him. That, that's amazing. Because, actually, we were sinners, and we were alienated from him. We were far from doing his will. We were enemies of his. And yet, when we accepted Jesus, we get that heart change that helps us, gives us a complete heart cleansing and a heart's desire to be righteous. And so we want to do what's right, and we don't like to do what is wrong. You know, doing what's wrong gives you an inferiority complex. Have you ever seen that? You've been around people get this. Oh, uh, you know, and well, I won't describe it. You know, maybe you've, you've struggled with it yourself. And it, you know what? When you, when you don't think you are anything, and in Jesus, you're all, always someone important because Jesus died for you. You're very important. And if you're doing what's right, you don't need to have an inferiority complex. Praise God. That helps us, doesn't it? Because we tell you, oh, I can't do this right. I can't do Friends, we can all serve Jesus with righteousness from a heart that loves him. And uh, it's one of his principles. We, we like doing it that way. But sometimes, uh, and, I've, uh, and I've seen people do this, and I've probably done it myself years ago. He said, you know, well, Satan tempts us kind of like, um, I'm, I'm just kind of tired of being so good. Well, not that we're so good. That's the wrong comment. I'm tired of being a goody-goody, okay? I'll just put it in. You know, have you ever been tempted? I'm just, it makes me an oddball. Now, it should never make you an oddball in believers and around the saints. It should never make us an oddball. But, you know, sometimes in our youth groups, and we ha if we hang around with the wrong group, you, you don't like to be an oddball, do you? No. It, uh, you know, saints never tire of doing righteous righteousness. Saints never tired of doing righteousness. And I like that, Doc, because God really cares about that we're, we're righteous and, and we love it. 
And we love doing his will. Romans 6, verses 16 to 18 speaks of this. I'd like to read a few verses here. Romans 6, verses 6 to 8, 16 to 18 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether to, of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But, but God be thanked that ye were... That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Well, he makes it very plain, it's one or the other, okay? I thank God that we can, we, we can be, have that nature that we enjoy doing what's right. Actually, it, it, we enjoy we love doing righteousness. And it don't, it's not ourselves. It's not of our own selves. No. Uh, it, it's from Jesus in us. Uh, our, own, our own righteousness is not meaningful. Uh, but it, we want it because Jesus is within us. And, it, and he encourages us to be that way. And he says, you know, you're saved. You're born again. You're my child. My kingdom loves righteousness. Uh, you are righteous because of Jesus and his shed blood and you accepting that. And so it makes us a new creation. We have new desires and they're holy. And that makes all the difference in the world. And that's spoken of in 2 Peter. I'd like to read a few verses from 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 9. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 9. <clears throat> According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Thank God, when we accept Jesus, we have divine power. Aren't you glad in personal power? We fail terribly. It's not just personal. Now, it takes personal commitment of my will, surrendering of my will to Jesus to have divine power. But when we do that, we have divine power, and he gives you, as a brother and sister in the Lord, everything you need to have spiritual life and godliness in your life. I praise God for that. You wouldn't shortchange. This wasn't a bad deal, okay? Jesus is saying, look, I've given you everything you need for every crisis you have, for every problem, for every situation that drags you down, he said, I get, you need spiritual life. You need that vitality in Jesus every day. If we're going to be doing right, he said, I give that to you when you surrender to me. Verse 4. Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And he said, okay. We have a lot of promises, and we have a lot to be thankful for because you're partakers of his, his nature. But it does show in how much you have stay away from the corruption that is in the world. And then he goes on to say, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Give all diligence. Um, that's interesting, giving all diligence. Uh, that, that, 
that's, that's pretty interesting. I don't know if you feel like you are doing that. The Greek means speed, earnestness, eagerness, earnestness. Give all speed. Now, some people like the speed. I've been around a lot of youth that love the speed. And as you get older, you learn to slow down and, and drive within your limitations. But he says, give all earnestness, eagerness. Give, there's lay it on, lay it out. Give all diligence to do these virtues. Be sold out. In other words, be sold out. Be completely sold in, given everything. Add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. Is this, this is a laundry list, actually, of righteousness. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And that's beautiful. But even when you have that, add charity. Brotherly kindness plus charity. Not brotherly kindness just with charity. Brotherly kindness and charity. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know why he thought that was so important. Yes, I do. Because it is. Righteousness. For if these things be in you and abound, they make... They make you that ye shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins for righteousness. What a beautiful list. Now, verse 6 says in the New King James, add to knowledge, which a lot of people like knowledge. And by the way, most of this knowledge you will not find on the internet. We're going to talk about that, okay? Just to make things clear. A lot of people spend a lot of time getting man's knowledge, which can be here or there or over the place. We're talking about godly knowledge, okay? Reading the book, the Bible. That's what he's talking about. So you add to that knowledge self-control. Self-control. And that what and then self-control, perseverance. And then the perseverance, godliness. Wow, what a list. Being righteous, being righteous. Godliness, brotherly kindness. And when you think you're doing that, get a good dose of charity. If these things abound in you, that's what God would say when he sees you. you have a, you're, you're, you're really... You're growing, you're doing well spiritually, you're living in righteousness. But then he challenges us, give, uh, but don't lack these things, don't, you know, don't, don't wink at these things. Because in verse 8 it says, These things be in you and abound, that they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in Jesus. You know what barren means? Being barren means inactive and unemployed. You know, every now and then people like a vacation from the Christianity, that's what it seems. I hope it's never your temptation. But it means barren when I become tempted to become inactive. When I get up and I say, you know what? That amount of righteousness is a little too tough for me. That's becoming barren. It's becoming barren. Unemployed. I praise God we don't have to be that way. That Jesus, when we follow him, 
and we're doing what he imparts into our hearts and lives. It helps us be people that love him and want to do righteousness. They love to live holy. Anything else they dislike. They just love to follow him. They don't want to be wrong. They want to live in righteousness. They want to please him. What a blessing that we individually and collectively can be people that do righteousness. Love it and enjoy it. The next one is 1 John 8. Uh, no, excuse me. 1 John 3, verses 8 and 9. 1 John 3, verses 8 and 9, where it says... He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the sign of man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot commit sin, for he is born of God. Now that's a quite a loaded passage, and I will acknowledge I don't do not know everything it's trying to say. But there is some things that we can understand a little bit about. And that is that, 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 that Jesus, for this purpose, was manifested, come on this earth and live, that he might destroy the works of the devil in this world and in your life. He wants to destroy the works of the devil because the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy us as, uh, as Jesus' children. And he wants us to uh, struggle every day with sin. He wants us to do that. And he wants us to actually uh, learn to accommodate compromising, uh, compromising things so that we will lose the pathway spiritually. He wants us. He want, he, and he come to destroy that in your life. He come to destroy that. You know what destroy means? I wish it would just be obliterate, okay? As America, I wish it just... I mean, just obliterate those timbers. I mean, just wipe them out, Jesus. You know, he could have, but he didn't, okay? You know why? Because if you're going to stay true to him, you're going to be tested. You're going to have temptations from the Satan. It means to loosen, to break up. To loosen, to break up. I like that thought. Because there's no question there was times in my life, and every person I think can think of that that's of much age, when they were in bondage to Satan. Remember that? You remember that time? You know, when you just, you had a certain habit. It, it might have been when somebody crossed your path, you just got mad as a wet hen. Now, you might have got angry. Now, you might not have just spewed out, but inside you were boiling. You know what I mean? That's a work of the devil, right? Yeah, that's a work of the devil. Now, there's a whole lot of them. I won't get over it. What, what about, I won't even get into it, okay, because there's a longer list. <laughs> But there's plenty of ways that the devil wants to bring you into bondage. You know? And he, Jesus come to destroy that work in your life. And I praise God. It's loosened it. You know why? Because he didn't say, now, you not to do right. Remember? Now you are righteous because of Jesus. You have a holy heart. You have a divine nature because of Jesus. Okay? So now you don't want to get angry, to come back to that one. You don't want to. You know why? You know it's sin. You know it's sin. You don't want to do that because that will put you on the wrong path. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Not for nothing. Okay, the point is, this, disciples do not practice sin. Okay? They do not practice sin. 
And that speaks to me today. That's us. Because, well, you know, it's so easy to look around to the world and say, man, I wouldn't do that. Well, I, Jesus said, I would hope not. That's the other kingdom, okay? We don't compare ourselves with evil people and say we're doing better. And it's easy to say, oh, you can look in Protestant churches or churches that you feel like are more are lukewarm. Oh, I don't even do that. You know what I mean? And he says, be careful. The standard, the principle for my kingdom is you do not practice sin. That's very personal. That's very personal. And you know, sometimes he asks more of you than me or of me than of you. But it's still very much there. You know, so he says, look, I'm going to break, I'm going to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And I, I, in other words, that old besetting sin that you had before you accepted Jesus, maybe even after you accepted Jesus, he's trying to say, it does not need to have a grip on you anymore. It does not need to grip you. No. You, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to ask Jesus for help. But it don't have to be a bondage type of situation where, you know, when it, that type of situation comes up or I'm in that compromise, I just got to give you, it does not need to have a grip on you anymore. Jesus come to destroy the works of the devil. Claim it. Claim it. It's wonderful. And it's for ours to have. What a tremendous blessing. Okay. Also, 1 John 5, 18, which is an, another... Verse that reiterates this thought. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And there it is, toucheth him not. You know what that means? I'm going to bring out, <laughs> I want to bring out the other things in there, but there's one thing. That wicked one toucheth him not. I don't know if you feel like you've been touched by the wicked one. Because when you're tempted... Uh, that's not being touched, if I understand. Touch in the Greek means to attach oneself to. I know, I felt like before I've been plagued by the devil. Have you ever been plagued by the devil? You know what I mean? It just seems like you're just plagued. I mean, your mind is not where it should be, or your environment is just so comforting, you're being plagued. But he said here very plainly that if we follow God and we and we do not live in sin, we do not continue in sin, uh, the wicked one will not attach himself to you, okay? I claim that as a problem. I love that. As his child, you know, in the name of Jesus, we can, we can resist the devil. And I think it's very important that we do our part in resisting the devil. What a blessing. But he's saying, look here, you don't have to have Satan attached to you. You know, you don't have to just act like a... a a person that's being led by the devil. Well, he will not practice sin. You know what? You know the only one of the best ways not to practice sin is ask for forgiveness of the sin right up front when the Holy Spirit convicts you. You know, I don't know if you're good at that, but that's kind of a challenge. In other words, when I, when you sin, and you know what your besetting sin is or was, or you know when you're tempted, you know, you know. And thank God the Holy Spirit speaks to us generally relatively soon. If you've been sensitive, 
You know, sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me a year later. Thank God he spoke to you a year later. But really, I think if, you're being, if we're being sensitive, he, he speaks generally fairly soon, doesn't he? Goes to me anyhow. Maybe I'm the strange one. I don't know. And say, Lord, God, forgive me. And go back to that person. Hey, I said, that, said what was wrong. Or I had a bad attitude. You know, forgive me. That's how we don't practice sin. You know what's easy to do? Excuse yourself. I've done this. I'm not saying you do this, okay? You know, I had right to be upset with that person. They're such a whatever. And they were so unkind. This is the third time in a week, okay? And we had kind of this little laundry list of excuses. And yes, you know, and then you know what? I'm going to be practicing sin. Why don't we repent of sin? Inevitably, we're going to practice it. We're going to keep doing it. Because repentance helps us see where we need to be. That's where we want to be. What's interesting to note, we've already read a couple different times, but in this verse, it talks about whosoever is born of God. You like that phrase? Now, that just hit me just anew, like I would, could not believe it. You know, that phrase is four times in the Bible, and every last one of them is in first time. You, as a Christian, are born of God. I don't hardly know how to explain that. Because, you know, I know over in England, they have a royal family. Let me tell you, this family dusts that family. But you are born of God. That's why we're supposed to be not just little Christians. You know, so I am born. God is my father. And there's a lot of people that are proud of their fathers. You know, man, you know, I, I've just got this wonderful lineage and I've got this pedigree to keep up with. Yes, you do. Every Christian here is born of God and they got a high responsibility to live for God, to show forth his, to show forth his love. You're born of God. Actually, in that first reference we looked at, 1 John 2.28 says, born of him. That's the fifth one. Okay, you're born of him. And like I say, so many people are just relish that idea. Oh, and you know what? If I, you got to excuse me, I'm a heat wall. Okay, we have this weakness, you know. We might have a few strength, but, you know, it, it, I, or, you know you're born, uh, you know, a Martin or Showalter or whatever, or whatever your last name may be, even a Garrick, you know, how you know, would it be, you know. You got you, you know you got to live up to a certain standard. And by the way, if it's weakness, it, it, you know, my dad did that too. Or you know I, we're known for that. Born of God. Now let's check out his character. You want to reflect your father? Yes. You want you want to do what's right and love the Lord and be what you should be. Think about the character of God. That's your father. That's your father. And by the way, that's the most important family you'll ever be in. Whether you've got these high pedigrees or not, they are nothing in Jesus. We're all the same level. And so you, and that's why in the, in the body, you can come in as a quote some people. I don't know why they say this, but as an outsider. And you know what? We were all outsiders, right? From Jesus. But as Christians, you were born of God. Never forget it. Tomorrow when you're tempted to let other things come in 
and, and be a priority. Remember, you are born of God. You are to love your father. You are to let his spiritual blood come through. You know, we have this blood thing, and we think, oh, you know, I got this special blood type, you know, and I, you know, I got the DNA of my father. What would happen if you had the DNA of God? What would happen? Would it be a big change? Maybe we need a big change. I don't know. Just think about it. You are born of God. Tell you, that impresses me. What a tremendous blessing. Because when you were born again, if you were never born again and transformed by the blood of Jesus, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you were born again, praise God, every Christian is born again. You know what? They love their father. This is talking about, this is relating in being what you should be. You are like, you are to radiate of God's presence and radiate of his holiness. We don't need to read it again, but in Isaiah 6, 3, it talks about holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Yes, holy, holy, thrice holy, completely holy, we add. And that's why I like what Brother Jonathan said, it's very true, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. When us as defiled man comes to God, we know he's holy. We radiate of holiness. We like to live that way. In worship in heaven, which every one of us want to participate in. In Revelation 4, verse 8, he said those beings there, they worship God saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They didn't say mercy, mercy, mercy. And he is a God of mercy, and I thank God for that. But let me tell you, the main thing... That man sees when he gets God and he starts viewing what we need to radiate is always holiness. Always holiness. I'm telling you, friends, that's a high calling today. It's a very high calling today. Yeah. But it's a tremendous blessing. No wonder that it says in 1 Peter, which our brother already spoke of, be ye holy, for I am holy, Jesus said. Be you. You know why? Because you're born of God. That'd be hard. You know, it's hard for me to have that royal manifestation of the wonderful Martins or Showalters characteristics. You know why? I've never was born a Martin or a Showalter. I never was and never will be. I'm going to have to figure that out. And if they want to graft me in, it would be a poor grafting anyhow. You know what? See? It's totally different in this family. We each have the same father. That's why we love reading the same book. We love God the Father. We love Jesus the Son. And we work together. And, and we want to work together. What a tremendous blessing we have. No wonder it says in uh, John 8, 34, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. We don't want to sin. We don't want to be that way. It says in Romans that the Christians, when they're born of God, they are dead unto sin. That means they're unresponsive. Why? Because they're born of God. You didn't see Jesus wanting to respond to those sins, those temptations. He was tempted. Yes, he was. But 
we got to always remember in 2 Peter 2, verse 19, it says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. In other words, I don't want to be in bondage to Jesus. People say, I don't want to be in bondage to that holiness. You know, I don't want to be a goody-goody. I wouldn't want to have to walk your lifestyle. I want my TV, and I want my personal pleasures. I want to do it my way. He says right there, they promised him liberty, and they have liberty from holiness. They have liberty from freedom of conscience. They have liberty from walking the way of Jesus. The same is brought, he said, they themselves are the servants of corruption, of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. I thank God we can be overcome by Jesus. That means when I submit to his will and I want to do his will, I am overcome by Jesus. Enslaved to bad habits? No. Life of sin and misery? No. But a life in Jesus? Yes. We love to do his will. We don't want to live in sin. We don't want, or we will not practice sin. You know there's definitions of sin in the Bible? I'll give you four of them that are straight from the printed page. Romans 14.23 says, and this is the New King James, but he that doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatsoever is not from faith is sin. Romans 14.23, remember that. Because see, Jesus leads us in a clear path. And, and uh, oh, this, this has been a tough one in my life. Because you know, you come to that crossroads and what should I do? Well, don't do anything till you can do it in faith in Jesus, okay? Any major decision you make, I, I firmly believe Jesus has a right path and the devil has a wrong path. Every time. Every time. Mark it down. And we don't have to do the wrong path. We want to do the right way. We, we want to do what's right. We can do it in faith because Jesus leads his children. He is. He's your beloved children. He sent Jesus to die for his beloved children. James 4, 17. Maybe I should have put this one last because this one really gets close home. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and, do, and does not do it, to him it is sin. Hmm. In other words, here's our pathway and this is okay. I don't think this is sin, but you know there's a better way. You ever done that? You know there's a better way. 1 John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin also commits lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. In other words, they're not going by the book, they're going by their own way, their own opinions, and you know what? It's sin, he says. 1 John 5, 17a, all unrighteousness is sin. That's point blank, isn't it? Well, we don't want to go that way, we don't want to be that way, because we can live in victory in him. We want to do what is right. No wonder it says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 20. I'd like to read a verse or two there, Ephesians 4. And it talks about there about the new man. And I love to read uh, passages on that new creation. Because then it lets us know what should lead my life. Ephesians 4, verse 20, it says. find it here. Twenty 
20 to about 24. But ye have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, and that ye put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true holiness in true righteousness and holiness. This is one that is living kingdom principles because they love Jesus and they're following him. They want to do what's right. They want to follow him. They love righteousness. They love living righteous and they don't want to sin. They don't want to practice sin. They don't want sin to mar their relationship with Jesus. They want to live clear before him. <coughs> Hebrews 1.9 says... And this is a verse about Jesus. But I, I, I hope this can be said of every saint here today. Hebrews 1.9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity and hated anything that was wrong. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. It's a beautiful verse. They loved following their father. They loved obeying his will. They hated anything that distracted from doing that. And you know what? God gave them a peace and joy that only comes for living in right relationship with Jesus. It's for every saint. What a blessing. What a blessing. Two more kingdom principles. God bless you. Shall we have a closing song?